The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. Stupid Zoom. Stupid Zoom. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and things to do when you're stuck on the inside or only going out sporadically here in coronavirus world. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we have uh, a few news headlines here, some thoughts on another popular TV show, and El Kaiser is going to uh, drop some knowledge on microphones uh, after we had a listener request to talk about what kind of audio gear might be good for home recording. So we'll do that a little bit later in the show. But in the meantime, El Kaiser, how have you been in your self-imposed quarantine? Devolving into a 12-year-old in the Q zone. I'm a, mm-hmm. I've become a 12-year-old, basically. I mean, I've, I've decided that maturity is overrated, so I'm going to giggle at silly stuff. I basically just like normal. <laughs> yeah, so, so are you like really change much. chugging milk out of the carton and just oh, uh, yeah, eating totally. the peanut butter right out of the jar? Oh, yeah, with a spoon. I'm just mm-hmm. scooping it out with a spoon. I'm not even joking. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not even making this up. Are you kidding me? Well, you I've, know, just, and... I've decided to totally devolve. In the Q zone. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, crumble back down to build yourself back up and make a new, better world. That's very, very inspiring, J.D. But basically, I just wanted to act like a knucklehead. (laughs) Now's the time, you know. Now is the time. Now is the time. You're doing all right there? You're you're, you're chilling in the Q zone? It's, uh, you know, another day on the inside. The weather's starting to get nicer, so open the windows a little bit more. Birds kind of fly by, just oh, see a little yeah, bit of nature yeah, yeah. that way. So still going out once or maybe twice a week tops to to run little errands and things. But overall, getting some reading done. Uh, I've got some writing to do, so that always helps take the mind off what could be happening on the outside. And I guess even though New York City has been largely shut down since the 22nd of March, they are making little noises about maybe opening the beaches at 50% capacity for the upcoming Memorial Day holiday. Don't know how that's going to work. There was some idea being floated around about having reservations to ride the subway, which I don't really see. You know, unless they're also going to have flying pigs towing the trains through the tunnels, I don't really see that happening. Uh, But you're a New York City native. Would a reservation system for... The New York City subway system actually even be possible? No. How could they even do this? They're going to have, uh, you know, like a, a Mater D at every uh, at every yeah, station? stamp your ticket, you know? It's, yeah, uh, I'm going sla- to slip them a 20. Hey, give me a good spot in the first car. You know what I mean? No, this that's insane. I mean, yeah, it's just insane. I, I think the, the thinking along that was, well, we need to have people touch as little as possible and if they can use contactless entry with a, um, a credit card with a chip in it or phone pay, then they're not touching as much stuff. But you also discount a huge amount of the populace here that does not have a credit card or a right. smartphone and needs to get on the train via cash. And so that goes right back to the touching all of the disease vector objects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think they got to rethink that. Plus, I think it would be a huge lawsuit because it's discriminatory against people uh, who do not have um, uh, credit cards. So. What about people in Manhattan don't take the train? Oh, you mean just uh, people who, who don't take it personally or? Uh, yeah, no, no, I'm saying. If they you just, just like, yeah, you should just walk everywhere. Yeah, just walk everywhere. That would or have, have me- like, you know, shuttle buses. 
for people in Manhattan. There are a lot of fitness buffs who, who would probably walk anyway. It would force me, considering I've been sitting on my butt for like two months, yeah. it would force me to get, I mean, what is it? what's the joke? The COVID-19 is the 19 pounds you gain on this thing? Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know what? No one in Manhattan take the train. Let the outer borough. You see how I said that? Borough. Yeah. Can you say that yet? Outer borough. Borough. Yeah, see, it's, it's Indiana is always going to be stuck yeah, in there, you know, messing things up. Out. But the outer borough folks and the uh, essential workers should take the train. Yes. Manhattanites should should go to their local shoe store, which needs a business, and buy very comfortable walking shoes, exactly. and just schlep up cross town. That's right. And and companies, what the company should do is give Manhattanites an extra hour to go in. Yeah. You know, because I live all the way downtown. I got to get uptown. So, you know, that's not fair. Give yeah. me an extra hour. Maybe you know? shut down some streets, too, so you're not hitting yes, the lights just all the time. Pedestrian, just walking. pedestrian streets. This is great. We should run for mayor. It could like be like Joe a dual Ru thing. Yes, like Joe Russo and Anthony Russo, who actually produced Community. Nice uh -huh. segue. <laughs> oh, yes. I was going to ask you what you were watching these days. <laughs> all right, so now that we've fixed the city, what are you watching on the television? I'm watching Community. I, did you ever watch that show? Not, I, I would catch the end of it waiting for something else, but never really made a concerted effort to sit and watch a full episode. You know, I was exactly the same way. It was on like in two th from 2009 to 2014, I think. Allison Bree, Joel McHale, Childish Gambino, or Donald Glover. That's where, you yeah, know, good that cast. was his first exposure. Really good cast, Chevy Chase. But it was a show I was like, yeah, why? This is silly. This is ridiculous. But to the point I've been making repeatedly on this show and to anyone who asks, I don't want slice of life stuff right now. I don't want deep, meditative, intense, violent stuff that's going to make me think about the world. I want stupid. Yeah, you want no thinking stuff. Yes, I want no thinking stupid. And you know what? With community, you get no thinking stupid, but the group and the idea behind the show it actually sort of reminds me of The Good Place. Oh, okay. Not as deep. It explores a lot of relationships, friend relationships. It gets very serious. It gets goofy, but then very dramatic. All the pop culture references I get, All which right. I'm, I'm assuming is kind of weird or says a lot about me. It's fun. It's a palate cleanser. It is, again, all I've been doing for folks who've been listening to this podcast over the last 477 days of quarantine or whatever. It's close to that, right? All Something the blurs like days, yes. I've just been trying to get stuff that takes me away from the pandemic for 22 minutes. Mm -hmm. You need to punch out, you know? Go someplace else. I just else. want to punch out. You know, the anxiety is enough. I get enough anxiety. I don't want to watch something that's going to make me more anxious. Mm-hmm. So... So you Community. did not watch Contagion or anything? Uh, oh, God, no. No. Yes. My Even friends though your are buddies wound me. you up with that? Oh, God, yes. They still are. Totally. Like, totally still are. This is fun for them. Mm -hmm. Let's torture. Let's torture Pedro. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? All right. So, so you're going to check in a community and, and do the run of the series, and that's going to be your happy place for a while? Silly happy place, and I'm lining up. I'm going to watch Shira with my daughter on Netflix. Oh, Netflix Shira. Watch Party? Yes. Netflix right. watch party with her friends, too. They're all into it. I'm there. I was a brony, so, I mean, I'm down. I'm actually watching My Little Pony again. Talk about a show that's going to take you out of the world. I would think Hello. that would qualify, yeah. 
Yes. So yeah, community. If you want to get lost, forget about and see some goofiness. Just twenty-two minutes. That's it. Just give it twenty-two minutes. Little that's brain a, break. Little brain break. But I'm assuming there's coronavirus news. There's uh, some coronavirus news and some not related to coronavirus news. Uh, so so we can kind of just m- mix it all up here. Um, sure. Uh, but let's start with uh, TikTok, which uh, has been all the rage here in the quarantine life. Everyone's making their little dance videos and their little. I actually rants. joined TikTok. Really. I did. I haven't done a dance video or anything like that, but I just wanted to see what was going on. Yeah, all right. So, so we'll be expecting some Al Kaiser production soon. Uh, no. But, uh, <laughs> so, well, no. No. But well, well, as you know, and, and you probably from browsing the site, uh, it's very, very popular with young people and sometimes very young people. Uh, but the New York Times reports that uh, more than 20 consumer and children's advocacy groups say that the app has not fulfilled privacy promises it made to the Federal Trade Commission last year. Remember, they had a little dust up because mm-hmm. uh, TikTok was maybe taking some information from the kids that they shouldn't have an auto because of COPPA. But TikTok uh, was charged with violating uh, the federal children's online privacy law by allegedly collecting names, email addresses, videos, other little bits of personal information from users under the age of 13 without a parental consent, which is a no-no. As the Times reports, federal regulators said at the time the app had made users' information public by default, which means that a child's username, pictures, and videos could be seen by others, not something you want for a kid underage. Yeah. Uh, the agency also said uh, adults had used the video sharing app to try to message children, also another no-no. Now, uh, while TikTok had promised to fix these issues, uh, the new complaint from all of these advocacy groups identified a number of videos posted by children under 13 in 2016 that TikTok had not deleted and remain on the app. And now they also found several other examples of the lack of follow-through with the FTC. Now, in an emailed statement to the Times, a TikTok spokesperson said, We take privacy seriously here and committed to helping ensure that TikTok continues to be a safe and entertaining community for our users. End of statement. But it sounds like they kind of maybe just yesed the FTC and then went about what they were doing in the first place. Do your kids use TikTok? Do you have any privacy concerns with them? Does. Yeah, no, my daughter does. And I laid down the rules. Uh-huh. It's also one of the reasons why I joined. I see. So you can, uh, <laughs> Big Daddy is watching you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, their rules. You got to mm-hmm. give me your account information. You got to give us your password. Mm-hmm. And uh, she follows the rules. And we don't let the boy anywhere near it because he is not as agreeable, shall we say. Uh-huh. To certain things, so you know. Well, I'm sure the older child is a sneaky one. That's what I'm saying. And the other one, just going to say it right there. Tad more uh, responsible. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, so we'll see if TikTok steps it up here. Now, as some cities around the country start to emerge from the uh, spring pandemic lockdown, Uber is trying to get its business rolling again. The company announced new measures to keep drivers and the riders safe, uh, including having a uh, the drivers wear a mask or some kind of face covering. Uber says uh, that it's using new technology to verify if the driver is wearing a mask by asking uh, the driver to take a selfie and send it in. Uber's site goes on to say, after we verify the driver is covered, in their face, we'll let the rider know via an in-app message. Uh, unlike our real-time ID check system, this technology detects the mask 
as an object in the photo, uh, but does not process biometric information. So um, I, I guess, you know, there's a slight bit of privacy there, but it detects the mask as an object and, and adds it to their database. Now, as of uh, Monday, May 18th, drivers who are not wearing a mask or some kind of face covering will not be able to go online in the United States, Canada, India, and most of Europe and Latin America. Uh, so in order to get into the Uber network to pick up rides, they have to be having the mask on. Uh, that's probably going to run through the end of June. Then they'll reevaluate if a driver shows up without a mask on. The rider can cancel the trip without a penalty and report the issue to Uber via the app. So, so hold on a second. Uber is going to force drivers. Now, rightfully so. I yeah. mean, I understand this. But honestly, I have issues with getting into a car with a masked driver. Feel like you're so in a getaway I, car? Yeah, exactly. I, it's like, really? I'm just going to get a reservation for the next six train. How's that? That's, you're going to you go know, in that, style that, up Lexington yeah, Avenue. You know yeah. that's, don't worry about it. Yeah, so, so, but, but for those who are wedded to the Uber way of life, I guess they're going to have masked drivers. And then um, they're also going to make a few requirements for passengers as well. Before every trip, riders must confirm that they've taken precautions like wearing a mask themselves and washing their hands. And passengers must also agree to sit in the back seat and open the windows for ventilation because I guess the ventilation is good to, to blow the germs around. And the maximum uh, suggested passengers for an Uber X ride is uh, going down to three from four. So I guess they're trying to have social distance in the group ride as well. Really? Don't know how any of this is going to work. But. <laughs> when you're literally sitting right next to the person. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so they're, yeah. they're trying to get themselves uh, back in gear here. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, they're also trying by buying Grubhub. Yes. So. Yeah, that's basically Gotta so. Gotta give them something to do. Yeah, that was one of the acquisitions uh, that happened uh, recently. Uh, we have another one to talk about with Facebook uh, coming up here in a few items. Oh, hold on. My phone is ringing. That's my, I think that's confirmation of my reservation on the R train. So, oh, okay. You know, so did, yeah. did you get the window seat? Or yeah, I got the window the seat. Yeah, yeah, I paid extra for that. Yeah, I paid extra and then for you that. get the box launch with it too? Yeah, I got the extra foot room too. Mm -hmm. So it's good you know to get, the... get like that, right? Yeah, you do yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah, no, you, 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 you know, top up as many perks as you can. Got to get the leg room. Yeah. So um, so let's talk about creepwear. Do you know <laughs> okay. what creepwear is? This is let's a bad segue. Let's talk about creepwear, huh? Yeah, let's, talk let's about start with the definition. Now. It always assumed that creepwear was just kind of a casual thing, but it's an actual category. Now, the term creepwear refers to mobile apps that don't quite meet the invasive features of, say, real on spyware or stalkerware, but they can still be used to harass, defraud, and threaten another person either directly or indirectly. So, uh, for example, um, there's some apps that enable spoofing or uh, harassment, including spammy SMS bombers uh, that you can just okay. get the thing and then, you know, fill up somebody's SMS That was a roller limit. derby team, wasn't it? Yeah, the I believe so the bombers? SMS bombers, yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's also apps that just teach you outright hacking, which can get you into trouble there. Now, to help smack down those annoying or threatening apps, a team of academics from New York University, Cornell Tech, and Norton LifeLock, formerly known as Norton Semantic, developed a new algorithm called CreepRank that <laughs> identifies creepware-like behavior inside apps, and then it assigns a creep score to each one. Sounds like a really bad episode of The Bachelor. <laughs> they have this creep rank with this creep score, and if the app trips and the, wait, enough, wait, wait, for the, hold on a second. And the, is the creep score kept on a creepometer? Is there a creepometer? They, they didn't mention where they were keeping it, but there's probably some big creep vault where they've got all of this data <laughs> stored. So 
So these apps, when, when they're bad, they, they get a creep score. You know, it's like, like your credit score when, when you have variables in your account that, that make you untrustworthy. And so the research team was looking at all these apps and they, you know, had their creep rank algorithm and their creep scores. And then once they got a bunch of results, they notified Google about more than a thousand apps with high creep scores. So they say, hey, Google, we got, you know, 1,095 apps with high creep scores here. And so the big G security team took a look at the information, and they ended up taking down about 813 of those apps for violating the Play Store's terms and conditions. So the creep rank might be a new thing uh, that, that will help keep Google Play a, a little less slimy. God bless Google Play. It's like yeah. the freaking Wild West. They're, they're trying. So, so, That's uh, what makes it fun. That's what makes it fun, though. But there's a whole academic paper on the the creep rank, uh, which, which we will link to for for those who would like to read more uh, about how that algorithm yeah, you're worked. You're all about the academic papers too, so you know, just some light summer reading here. <laughs> Uh, moving yeah. on. Uh, moving se- on. Yes. Uh, Senator Jeff Merkley, a Democrat for Oregon, recently proposed new legislation that would stop ISPs from shutting off Internet access during the pandemic on the grounds that the Internet is an essential utility for receiving critical public health information. Ooh, and also I the working from home. Like that. Yeah. And also you got to have the Internet to do remote learning in addition to True. working from home. So. Therefore, they are classifying it as an essential utility. Now, Senator Bernie Sanders, independent of Vermont, and Ron Wyden, uh, also Democrat of Oregon, were also in on this bill, um, which is called the Continuing Online Networking Negating Economic Conditions on Technology, or CONNECT, at Home Act. They really wow. went around the block for that uh, sure did, acronym, yeah. but uh, that, that's what it's called. And wow. uh, if passed, this act would institute a moratorium on service terminations by internet service and voice providers during and for 180 days after the conclusion of the national state of emergency. So, wow. Okay. We'll see. That's so, nice. they're, they're, yeah, they're, I mean, it, it would be excellent if, if it passed and, and helped protect people because. The internet has really become a essential public utility for sure people has. who have it. Anyway, yep, yep. So, so that's a little bit of a legislative fun there. Now, uh, Jack Dorsey, CEO of Twitter, has announced that employees could work from home forever if they wanted. These are employees that don't have to be in the office anyway. But, mm-hmm. but uh, if they just never want to go back to the office and their job requirements permit them to work remotely, he's saying they can do it. Now, uh, Facebook and Google, or Alphabet, a parent company, have said that most employees can work from home through the end of 2020. Amazon.com has said that its office workers, not the factory folks or the fulfillment folks, but the office workers, would be able to work from home until early October. So they're coming back a little earlier than the other two. But Apple is looking to return even earlier. Uh, The company has put forth plans to start bringing employees back to its big global offices in phases. The first phase of the plan, which includes staffers who can't work remotely or who maybe have serious issues working from home, that's already started in some areas. And this uh, first phase will expand to major offices uh, through late May and early June. Now, in July, the second phase will bring more employees back to the office in major U.S. cities like, oh, New York, Los Angeles, Austin, Texas. Although they say that the timeline is fluid pending circumstances and local stay-at-home orders. Um, But we're starting to see restrictions getting lifted in most of these places anyway. Apple may need to get some of the hardware folks back in the lab, though, though. The company uh, did end up buying that next VR firm, that virtual reality thing that the rumor mongers uh, were hinting at that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And industry watchers are also predicting a new 10.8-inch iPad later this year and uh, some more hardware early next year. So a- Apple's uh, got to pay the rent, so they're they sure uh, getting the yeah. hardware rolling there. 
Yep. Now, uh, for all the stuff that people do on their mobile phones these days, sometimes you still have a much more comfortable experience uh, with certain tasks on a laptop or desktop computer. I imagine audio editing uh, might be in that category. It sure is. And also browsing multiple web pages at once, which you can do on a mobile and it's easier on a tablet than a phone. But sometimes you just need your big computer screen with all of your... Web pages and tabs, and they're right there, and you can just do what you need to do. Now, to uh, quote you, sometimes you need the big iron. Yes, the big irons. Uh, and, and to that end, and for people who like uh, to work on the big iron, Google has revamped its Chrome browser so you can group your open tabs now. You know, I don't know if it's like tabs oh. or tabs or whatever, but um, in a post on the company's keyword blog, it says now with a simple right click, you can group your tabs together and label them with a custom name and color. Once the tabs are grouped together, you can move and reorder them uh, within the tab strip. So giving more power to tabs here, I think this is still in beta, and they'll probably roll it out in a, a upcoming Chrome release. Um, in other Chrome news, uh, Google is clamping down on advertisements that suck up way too much bandwidth and computer resources. We hate those. Google is setting the threshold of 4 megabytes of network data or 15 seconds of CPU usage in any 30-second period or 60 seconds of total CPU usage for ads that are just grinding your computer and taking up way too much energy and attention that they need to. So Google's like, you know, now we're, we have our better ad standards. A lot of times it's ads for, you know, cyber currency or whatever, people just abusing the um, impact on the user. And so Google's like, nope. And so this will be welcome news for an already overloaded internet. And so that's, uh, I think, rolling out as well. Now, it's been about 22 years since the original Unreal game engine was released to power the eponymous first-person shooter from Epic 22 Games. Years. Yes, wow. 98, I guess. Uh, but the wow. company uh, announced Unreal Engine 5 will be available in preview mode early next year. Uh, the full release is expected in late 2021, but when it comes out, this this new game engine uh, will support current generation consoles, next generation consoles, along with PC, Mac, iOS, and Android platforms. So, Ooh, still, Android. still, still more Unreal. Uh, in other gaming news, Sony is still planning for a holiday 2020 release of its PlayStation 5 console. You know, pandemic or not, we're going ahead with the PlayStation 5. And, yeah. um, you know, because people are going to be rolling in money. Yeah, you know, no place to spend it. But uh, yep. it, it has been seven years since the debut of the PlayStation 4, which just seems like it was yesterday. But I guess God, it's yeah, been it seven years. So uh, so Sony is, uh, and I guess because they have a lot of uh, production in Asia, has figured out how to get the supply lines back and, and going to, to manufacture these things. Facebook, let, let's uh, talk about them for a moment. Sure. As you know, people will post all kinds of inappropriate content to Facebook, and the company leaves uh, a lot of that to both artificial intelligence, but uh, human moderators are really the ones that are going in there and catching a lot of mm-hmm. the really bad stuff. And many of those moderators have clearly seen enough horrible stuff to develop post-traumatic stress disorder on the job and the conditions that they had to work uh, at Facebook there. After a class action lawsuit, Facebook has agreed to pay $52 million in compensation to moderators for mental health issues developed on the job. So they, they reached Good. a settlement here. Ho- hopefully uh, not too late for some of them to, to get some help and, and get better. Uh, exactly. And uh, so Facebook had a lawsuit settled. Uh, they also dropped $400 million to buy Giphy or Jiffy, however you want to pronounce it. They're buying the Jiffy service and will incorporate that into their holdings. A lot of people who had accounts... On the Jiffy side, it's like, oh, delete all your personal stuff because Facebook just bought it. So I, I am not in the habit of, of making and uploading my own animations, but some people are very prolific at it. 
Freaking Facebook. Yeah, man. buying everything. Oh, they're so, so oh. Yeah. So, and, you know, and many other things going on with them, but I didn't want to like talk about them. The whole news. They're ruining my quarantine now. Mm-hmm. You will not they're be able to. my quarantine mellow. They had already incorporated like tenor gifts into yes, their, their app. Yeah. So, so they've, just, they've yep. bought another service here. So that's <sighs> Facebook. Um, But hey, it's time to check in on Quibi, that short form video app uh, with oh, the big backers that launched last month with the COVID-19 pandemic raging all around. I, I believe. How's we, it doing? How's it doing? Uh, apparently not as well as hoped. Um, really? Yes, uh, the download rate, I believe, was described by one major publication as anemic. Even with a free 90-day trial, the app had only been installed by 2.9 million customers, according to Sensor Tower, you know, a service that checks stuff. And that's just the people who download it. That's not even how many people are watching it. So I think there's even less than that. In an interview with the New York Times, Quibi co-founder Jeffrey Katzenberg said, I attribute everything that has gone wrong to coronavirus. Of course. He uh, went on to say everything, but we own it. Perhaps uh, videos, uh, 10 minutes or less, really did get lost in the binge wave of people staying at home. So I think they have to recalibrate because I think that, what's that, $1.8 billion of backing yeah. for Quibi and to have it face plant like that. So it's all about Corona and not the fact that the whole thing was kind of icky and silly? They're not copping to that part. They're they, not they, copping to that they part? They did get some okay. big talent to come on and do these little mini shows and very sleek interface and all that. But I guess the 10-minute thing was just not working for people at this time or they were just distracted reading long-form stories about coronavirus. Again, like I said the last time we talked about this, the idea of folks not having the attention span to watch long-form television is ridiculous. People are binging all the time. My kids binge TV shows. I mean, come on. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, this maybe is a it was swing a, and a miss, folks. Swing yeah. and a miss. Perhaps it, it would have been a, a product for a different time. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, but uh, but on the topic of video, though, expect Disney Plus to get an even bigger subscriber boost this summer, uh, even as we wait for the return of The Mandalorian this fall. Mm-hmm. Now, as you may have heard, the mouse-eared streaming service will release the film stage version of Lin-Manuel Miranda's Broadway smash Hamilton on July 3rd, a very patriotic uh, date for a musical yeah, about the founding smart. fathers. Yep. This is more than a year ahead of the 2021 date. I think they had once sort of earmarked for the film's theatrical release, but clearly yeah. we're not going back to the movie anytime soon Miranda who is uh, usually been very generous with sharing his product especially revolving around Hamilton because it was such a huge hit uh, when it arrived on Broadway in 2015 I guess uh, made a deal with Disney and it's coming out uh, July 4th weekend it's very nice of them yeah so so it'll be the, the all the people who could not see it on Broadway and this is with the original cast so and it's a a live. They didn't make a movie out of the musical. This is a right, film version right, of the stage. So a film version of the stage. Be yeah. as close, I guess, as as one can get to actually being in the Richard Rogers Theater. And finally, and finally, where would we be without pizza? Mmm. It's don't don't even start. Don't, yeah, I'd be about twenty pounds lighter. But but uh, you're not going to tell me something bad about pizza? No, no, now. no. Uh, okay. I, I, I was not aware of this service, but uh, there's a online ordering platform called Slice. Oh, I just used them the other day. Yes, they help small pizzerias compete with large yes. chains to get their pies around town. Yes. Now Slice has announced that it's raised forty three million dollars in capital funding to power more local pizza chains and mom and pop pizza shops to get delivered to the community. So they are realizing 
realizing that, that pizza is part of our fabric of life here. The smaller, great little, you know, brick oven places, you know, if they're trying to compete with Domino's and a lot of the big yeah, ones, I it's mean, it's sort of an unfair fight. So uh, Slice is uh, doing this online ordering platform. They take a little slice of the slice, but uh, they... um. They help the, the small pizzerias get online and deliver their products. So a note on the Slice blog, which I did not know Slice had a you know, pizza blog, but there it is. They celebrate the concept of pizza. It says, from birthday parties to game day potlucks, pizzerias have been an anchor in our lives for generations. It was no surprise that they were deemed essential when the COVID-19 pandemic caused the shutdown of many businesses. How did they respond? By rolling up their sleeves, putting on masks and gloves, and getting to work. The pies, salads, pasta, and even groceries kept on coming to our homes, and you can't stop pizza. And if you can't look at a lot, pizza. can't stop pizza. A lot of uh, emergency workers got pizzas delivered to them too because they barely had time to eat. So right. you know, take your mask off, have a slice. Pizza has always been traditional in newsrooms. Uh, the sort of deadline food. Newsrooms uh, will send pizzas to other newsrooms when they're having a big community story. So pizza is really kind of a, a binding food here. Yeah, Slice helped me get Italian food from my favorite local trattoria, which I hadn't been able to order from since this whole thing and was way too expensive on Seamless. Mm-hmm. Their Slice is a little cheaper than Seamless. Uh-huh. Just a, you know, like a lot cheaper. All right. So, Just saying. All right, so you you are a a uh, slice customer here. I am a slice customer, actually. I am. I mean, it was unwitting, but I am a slice. It's a long story, but I am definitely a slice. I was customer. not aware that there was a pizza platform out there much to order from, but now I know. Yeah, I think Slice has been around for a while. It just hasn't had the money and clearly not the attention because people cannot go out to get their favorite pizza pies. And so they're right. looking for online delivery and boom, there you have it. I'm hungry now. Yes, yeah, so am I. And so we should probably wrap up the news. But there will be links to all the stories that we talked about in this segment on our show page at poptechjam.com. Up next, we're going to talk uh, microphones. <laughs> J.D. Pedro. We were asked by an intrepid listener to talk about microphones, considering most people are at home sitting around, they either want to start a podcast or they want to record some music. And I mean, it was, it's an interesting question because, you know, I deal with microphones and home setups all the time. In fact, we wouldn't be doing this podcast without microphones and home setups. So I'm going to blow through this really quick, just throw some information out at folks. I'm going to break it down into a couple of categories. For instance, if you're going to be doing podcasting or if you're doing music recording, And I'm just going to give you some information. None of this is sponsored. None of this is stuff. I have no financial input on any of this stuff that I'm going to be discussing. It's just stuff that I like, stuff that I've bought, stuff that I actually own, that I have piled in my microphone cabinet. So just bear with me. And I hope this actually is interesting to most people out there. Number one, let's talk about podcasts since we're doing one. The two microphones I would recommend are actually the two microphones we're using right now. At this very moment. At this very moment. There's the Yeti, 
which you're on right now, yes. which is a condenser microphone. The Yeti is a USB microphone, but it also comes in an XLR flavor. XLR is the standard microphone connection. That is a great microphone if you want to do podcasts or single voice stuff. Not necessarily great for recording music, but you can do it, obviously. And the advantage is if you've got the one that can connect to XLR, you can connect it to audio equipment. If you've got the USB one, you connect it right into your computer. The one that I'm using is the Shure SM7B. It is a standard microphone for radio broadcasting and stuff like that. It's also one of these microphones that are ubiquitous in recording studios. The big story that made this thing famous was that it was the microphone that Michael Jackson used to sing on Thriller. Quincy Jones used it on his voice. And the reason being is that if you have a big voice or if you're recording something and you want to be really up close to it, it rejects a lot of the boominess, you know, of a sensitive mic. And that's the big difference between you're going to run across this term. If you're looking for microphones, there is a condenser microphone and a dynamic microphone. The quick difference between the two of them without getting too technical is that a condenser microphone is really best for quiet environments to capture high frequencies. It uses a diaphragm, like a thin diaphragm in the actual capsule of the microphone. So it's very sensitive to, to volume. So in that sense, it's great for voices if you're in a quiet environment, if you're in a studio. But if you're in a loud environment, like in your apartment or your house, and you can't control what's going on, I mean, we were all suddenly in a, in a quarantine, so we didn't have a lot of time to soundproof our homes. So using a condenser microphone may not be the best option. They're also way more expensive than the other type of microphone that you'll run up against most, which is a dynamic microphone. A dynamic microphone, which I'm using here, is specifically designed for loud sounds. So, you know, drums, guitar cabinets, loud, powerful voices. So these microphones, dynamic microphones, are pretty much the standard when you see live performances, like the stage mics you see, the standard basically is like a, a Shure SM58. That is the standard microphone with the weird little grill, the bowl on top. You've seen it in a million stage shows, in a million videos. That's actually a really good microphone to use both for podcasting and for doing, you know, bedroom recording. If you want to record your voice, they run about $100. It's a Shure SM58. Now, if you want to do music at home, okay, you have to decide what you're going to be recording. I'm assuming for most folks, you know, you're sitting on your bed and it's a voice and guitar, let's say, because you're not going to mic your synthesizer, your keyboard, because you can just plug that right through whatever you're using. There is a debate about when you're doing home studio recording, whether or not to use a condenser on your guitar acoustic guitar, and I'm going to focus on that because I doubt most people living in a New York City apartment are going to have a full drum kit. That being said, I prefer using a condenser mic only because you want to get that vibe from an acoustic guitar of hearing the strings and that little bit of scratch. This is my personal preference, hearing a little bit of the guitar scratch. And then I would use a dynamic microphone, something like an SM57, an SM57, again, the little brother or little sister of the SM58, that microphone from Shure, again, 
is also designed for close-up miking of guitar cabinets, drums, things like that. It's a very, very versatile microphone, but it also works well for close-up voice miking. So if you want to save a little money, you get yourself two SM57s. They're about a hundred bucks each and you mic your guitar and you mic your voice. Then you got to get into positioning because you want to reject, you know, you want to make sure you don't get a lot of bleed. We won't talk about that because that'll take too long. And, you know, just Google it and you'll see mic positioning and all that stuff. Now, um, personally, what I like to use at home besides the SM7B is I like to use a Rode Procaster, which is a dynamic microphone, also a radio mic. It's a little cheaper than the SM7B. So if you want to save a little money and you're podcasting, you can go with a Rode Procaster. Again, if you want to get a little higher quality, you got a quiet space. For me personally, I like the large diaphragm condenser from Rode. Again, I'm a big fan of Rode microphones. NT1A. And that is, again, it's a condenser microphone, so it's a very sensitive microphone. But if you're in a quiet space, it's great for vocals, for voice. It's great for acoustic instruments. You want to position a little farther away. It's not a a microphone that you can put really close up. The uh, Rode NT1A is about $230. The Procaster is about $300 in that range. The SM7B will run you about, that's from Shure, will run you about $400. Now, I'm throwing a lot of information out at folks, you know, but fact of the matter is microphones are subjective. You also want to maybe try to find a way to test these microphones out before, but with the ones that I've mentioned, they're pretty standard. So one of these will sound good on your voice. Uh, Another good large condenser that again runs in around the 200 range is the uh, the Audio-Technica AT2020. These microphones can run into the thousands and thousands of dollars. If you're sitting at home and you just want to mess around and you don't want to spend too much money because you're just taking baby steps into recording at home, you can try that and it's a really good microphone. The last thing I want to talk about is what you're going to be recording Two, you want to consider whether you want to record directly to your computer. In that case, then you need a USB audio interface. Focusrite Scarlet Series, those will run you about $109 if you want a single input, which I don't recommend. You want a double input. Their 2i2 runs about $160. It's a Focusrite Scarlet. That's a USB interface. You plug your microphones directly into that. And then you take that and plug it into your computer. You can use, if you want to save a little money, you can use Pro Tools First, which is free. Gives you limited access to tracks, but you can record. You can also download Audacity, uh, which is a an open source DAW, digital audio recording workstation. The other options for these interfaces are the Personas Audio Box. That's about $100. And the Machionics Producer is about $150. Now, again, these are one of these things that will go up in prices. You can get them into the thousands for these interfaces. I'm talking, I'm specifically focusing on when you're in the queue zone and you want to record. You're in pandemic mode. You're feeling like you want to get that song out. This is what you would use this stuff for. The other option is you can just record right into a recorder. 
So you can get a Zoom H6 or a Zoom H5, one of those recorders. They're very good. They run anywhere from $250 to $400. You can use Marantz recorders. Marantz recorders tend to be a little more expensive, but they were the industry standard for a very long time. They run around that $400 range. Sony makes them as well, again, in that same $400 range. So there are a lot of options out there. And happy recording, folks. I hope you guys dip into it because obviously you guys know that this is my life. This is what I do. This is my thing. And any of those things is going to be infinitely better than yelling into the built-in mic on your laptop. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that option, too. You yeah. can do that. If you really don't care about quality, just yell into the built-in mic. Very handy. And, I, and blue uh, microphones make a number of different models. I use the Yeti Black. I th- it was less than 150 with an online discount. Yes, yes. And they have a few lower-level price-wise mics, too, that, that are fairly decent for that. So tons of options out there. Definitely tons of options. Have fun, folks. Yes, uh, but speaking of microphones, We've probably been talking into these for for, uh, enough time today, so we should (laughs) wrap up and let folks get on with the day. Yes, we should thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes, and thank you, listeners. We hope everyone is uh, safe, sane, and sound uh, wherever you happen to be. And we will be back hopefully uh, next week, I'm I'm thinking, uh, with some more uh, news and and things to talk about here uh, as the the year plods on. So until next time, when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Let's test some microphones. Yes.